0: it is my pleasure to introduce, while she gets maximized on the screen, Doctor Taheya Abdul-Nasir, who is joining us um, across across the seas. Taheya is Assistant Professor of English and Comparative Literature at the American University in Cairo. We have an all-women, all-AAC panel today. Uh, She has has published English translations of poems by Badr Sheikh and Mahmoud Darwish, and a short story by Salwabha. Her translations have appeared in Jusur, Mahmoud Darwish, the Adam of Two Edens, and the Poetry of Arab Women, a Contemporary Anthology. She has written on comparative, post-colonial, Arabic, and Latin American literature for the Yearbook of Comparative Literature, Elif, and the Dictionary of African Biography. Um, if you can hear us, you can hear yeah. us fine? Uh, All right. And uh,
1: then,
0: welcome. Go ahead. You're okay, I ahead. wish I could be with you in Oxford, but I'm just going to read my paper today on archives and anniversaries in Egypt's revolution of poetry. Um, during Egypt's youth uprising in 2011, Tahrir Square became emblematic of revolution and liberation in Egyptian literature from January 2011, a site of witnessing and a means to document a new Egypt. The Egyptian uprising was followed by occupation movements in squares and streets in, in Spain, France, the U.S., and the rest of the Arab world. While Egypt's ongoing revolution has been known globally through media coverage, images, slogans, and chants, scholarship on the literature has been comparatively limited, and Egypt's literary production remains largely unknown outside the Arab world. At the start of Egypt's uprising, Arabic poetry was infused with a renewed role, not only as reflective of the national struggle, but also as participant in the revolutionary movement. Poetry provided a form for both mobilizing dissent against the regime and documenting the revolutionary moment. As such, poetry was juxtaposed against official narratives that revolution in Egypt after Tunisia was not possible, offering both resistance and records. In resistance literature, Barbara Harlow observed the renewed role of poetry in resistance movements and its value as an arena of struggle. And a careful examination of the influence of poetry during Egypt's revolution shows that often the struggle was conducted through poetry. What Harlow calls resistance poem and resistance poet pertains to the 21st century revolutionary struggle against the regime in Egypt, and Egypt in particular, the role of poetry was comparable to what Harlow interpreted as a force of mobilizing a collective response to occupation and domination, and as a repository of popular memory and consciousness. Since January twenty-six, two 2011, poetry written about Sahrir Square constituted both acts of resistance and offered the experience of revolutionary involvement. An examination of poetry that appeared as part of Egypt's revolution reveals that an established and emerging poets who wrote Egyptian colloquial Ammeya poetry and poets who wrote in standard Futha Arabic drew on an Egyptian poetic archive from the 1950s, 1960s in Egypt that was strongly associated with national commitments and anti colonial resistance. The local poetry scene during the uprising experienced a resurgence of poems by prominent poets of colloquial Egyptian poetry from the 50s and 60s. And although this does not lay claim to a comprehensive survey of the poetics of Egypt's uprising, the poems included here are reflective of the central role of Tahrir Square in Egypt's ongoing revolution in 2011 and on the revolution's anniversary. The paper considers the archives located in poetry produced and circulated in the context of Egypt's revolutionary movement and defined by the archival practices of poets since January 25, 2011. It is a revolutionary archive composed of poetry that has articulated the relationship between the literary imagination and political development. In 2011, poets produced a literary archive of the popular uprising, and in 2012 reflected its disruptions and challenges. Al Rahman al-Abnoudi, a prominent Egyptian colloquial poet, um, early in February 2011, before Mubarak's final speech and steps down, wrote a poem, Al-Midan, to celebrate the youth-led movement in Tahrir Square. Since al-Abnoudi composed the poem, it was repeatedly recited in the square, and al-Abnoudi himself recited the poem on a satellite television network on February 6, 2011. Significantly, The composition of the poem reflects Al-Abnudi's freedom of poetic expression during the uprising and before Mubarak's ousting on February 11th, which constituted a departure from his censorship in Egypt in the 1970s. The poem, whose colloquial poetic expression and explicit reference to the youth-led struggle in Tahrir Square referenced in its title led to its wide popularity in, in the square, follows the tradition of classical Arabic poetry. In it he, satirizes the state, and eulogizes Egypt's youth for its role in the revolutionary movement. Al-Abnudi's speaker addresses the youth of Tahir's prayer in Egyptian Ammiya poetry and evokes a million marches and sit-ins. The poem opens with the evocation of the end of the old regime through imagery of laboring Egyptian hands, which evokes the workers and peasants of Egypt who have been disempowered and disenfranchised for decades. The reference in the opening of the poem to the role of the chant, which attests, the popularity of this uprising that brought the educated elite and the uneducated masses together and the vision in Saharin Square are followed by an echo of the crowd's chant, Ibhad, Lead, in his call for the old men of state to leave. The poem then evokes the old men who have ravaged the land with corruption, opportunism, and greed, contrasting the violations of the state with the youth's miracle, how the youth turned autumn into spring and raised the dead. The speaker invokes the youth and the resurrection of the people in the poem, and here the uprising is invoked as revolution, as an ancient flood that turns and toils in secrecy. The poem honors the youth's commitment, evidence in the square, and suggests the marginalization of the older generation of intellectuals. The speaker of a poem evokes nostalgia for national commitment in Egypt's history and reinforces liberation and victory, calling revolution the overflow of hope and the revolutionary song. The poem concludes with the speaker cautioning the revolutionary youth against betrayal among them, intimating the uncertainty and distrust that recur in later poetry. After the uprising in Sahriya Square, Al wrote a poem in November 2011, which was before the anniversary, and the poem is titled The Prisoner's Laugh. It's dedicated to the political activist and blogger Ali Abdel Fattah, who was detained in October 2011 after the Maspero event, and to all political detainees of his generation. Although the poem invokes the aftermath of the uprising, the square is just to to the prison cell in the opening line. The shift from the prison cell to Tahrir Square demonstrates that the uprising, showed national unity, because in the poem, he uh, refers to the war and brave warriors. He refers to Muslims and Christians. And al he wrote this poem at a time when distrust and uncertainty were prevalent. And this is clearly illustrated in these lines. where he says, revolution is light, and its peace is fly, dances among martyrs and prisoners, and blood still soaks the square. And the speaker, uh, towards the end of the poem, honors the activists um, who made the revolution with love In contrast to Al-Abnudi's Al-Midan, which celebrates the end of the regime, this is the first poem I discuss, a colloquial poem by the Palestinian Egyptian poet Samim al-Barghouti participated in the early stages of this uh, revolution by articulating the demand for <coughs> an end to the regime. Al-Barghouti wrote the poem, "All Egypt, we are so close, ya for on January 25th and 26th, 2011, and the poem was broadcast live on Al Jazeera network on January 27th, 2011. Since Then the poem was projected on makeshift screens and circulated in Tahrir Square, and it created an anthem of liberation. The title of al poem, the phrase, we are so close, Kenneth, derived from an Egyptian colloquial register Exhorts the crowds in Sahrir Square to be patient and to be hopeful. And there's a strategy of resistance in the poem and a prophecy of the end of the regime. And um, Samim Adhan wrote this poem when he was in, in Washington. The poem explicitly states the guilt and shame for lack of involvement in the uprising. In the poem, the speaker says those who stay at home will be as those who turn the protesters to security forces and become informants. And the poem is replete with images of repression. Security forces even detain corpses out of fear. And Al Bargouti writes, the security forces were forced. The poem emphasizes the struggles of revolutionary protesters when Al Bargouti says, there we go in every alley and quarter, even if they hit us with live bullets. Al Bargouti addresses the security forces with clear sarcasm about their appalling conditions and the flight of officials during the revolution. The poem ends with an assertion of victory. O people of Egypt, we have won. It is a matter of days. Our day has called, and the day of chaos is no more. <coughs> so, at the outset of the uprising, al poem imagined the success of the revolutionary struggle. But on the anniversary of Egypt's revolution, Samib al wrote a poem titled, "All Victorious. And this poem moves from celebration to continued resistance, to articulate changes in the revolutionary movement by January 2012. Because in this poem, Al-Baroudi says, O victorious Egypt, no thanks to the military, we left early, nothing more. Tell those who left early to rest, but found no rest." So this is a reference to the the continuation of the resistance, that the revolution has not ended. Because by this time, it was very clear that there were many... um, challenges to the revolution. And Al-Barwuti in this poem asserts, our president is one martyr who rules from Tahrir. The new presidential palace is Tahrir Square. The poem reflects the political changes and the fortunes of the revolution. In this poem, Al-Barwuti writes, all victorious Egypt, thanks to straw tents, a reference to the tents in Tahrir Square, which they burned, which were burned by the military. And the realm belongs to those who died and um, a girl they stripped in the street and an asteroid shape. So this is all reference to what happened um, um, after the revolution. And by the end of the poem, the says, "Oh Egypt, you were victorious in two Fridays and a Tuesday, but you have the same soul in disguise. The, po- the poems by Al and Al provide different perspectives of the popular uprising by established and emerging poets, and they broaden the people's understanding of the struggle, of the year long struggle, and which mobilized people from different social classes. It should be noted that the poems by the established poet Al Abnudi and the emerging poet Al participated in the popular struggle in the square and continue to do so. Um, on the anniversary of the revolution, and they also reflected the changing fortunes of Egypt's revolution. Two other poets who wrote about the revolution are Hinni and Hassan Tilib. and they are two poets of the 70s generation, and they belong to the experimental poetry group Iza'a 77. Previously, they contested the relationship between poets and revolution, and they moved away from political expression. But in 2011, they wrote poems. Um, that uh, contrast with Al Abnudi and Al Albaruti, and they published poetry collections that um, could, that were more reflective because they were published in the, they were poems that were collected and written between January and May 2011, and they were published um, after May 2011. Both poets draw on imagery and allusions of Arabic, Islamic, and biblical culture, and Latin American and historical and political context. Poetry collections appeared in 2011 where Salim's Irfa' Ra'tak A'alien, Hold Your Head Up High, a collection of eight poems, and another one by Tilip, Injid al wa The Bible of the Revolution and its Qur'an, a collection of 38 poems. The poetry collections echo revolutionary demands for freedom, social justice, and national unity. Whereas Salim's collection concentrates on Tahrir Square and revolutionary slogans, Salim's collection is charged with religious iconography and revolutionary imagery. Whereas poems by Al Abnudi Al Barghouti were recited in Tahrir Square during the uprising, the collections by Salim and Silib appeared in classical Arabic and kutra and appear to reflect on the uprising with uh, many literary references. For example, in Salim's collection, The Song of the Square, there are echoes of revolutionary chants, which are recited and sung throughout Tahrir Square in January and February 2011. The opening lines of the poem embody the revolutionary fervor of the days of the uprising, as the speaker bids his fellow Egyptians to hold your head up high, O Egyptians, silent in patience, not submission, and invokes deeds from the ancient civilization and pre-modern world, creating in the song of the square an expansive. Egyptian, who is discoverer of geometry and inventor of irrigation, um, who created a miracle, and who goes from the age of ancient martyrs to the age of modern martyrs. The poem emplo- employs abundant religious iconography to evoke national unity and counter regime instigated sectarian strife. A church with a mosque, I quote, a church with a mosque, a priest with shape a nun with a reciter. And in um, the penultimate stanza, grandeur is embodied in the Egyptian as the village sage, the prophet of civilization, old man and boy, and concludes with a meaningful refrain, hold your head up high, O Egyptian. The poem, The Military by Salim, disabuses its audience of misapprehensions of the military. This was at the beginning of the revolution. And in this poem, the military is strongly associated with uh, the context of Spanish and Latin American military dictatorship. In it, um, he commemorates the role of the military in the peaceful resolution of the uprising in February 2011. So, this was at the very beginning of the uprising. The opening lines of the poem revisit the mistrust of the military. We used to fear the military, I quote, and see them to death are the for power, crew, organizers, and fickle, end of quote. Both Chile's Pablo Neruda and Spain's Garcia Lorca appear in, poems, in these poems. In a central reference to Chile's Neruda and Allende who had been murdered in a coup, and Spain's García Lorca was murdered in the Spanish Civil War, Stalin recites a brutal history. I quote he refers to the military, they are Neruda's murderers who gone down Allende with bullets of betrayal and gone down Lorca with bullets of betrayal. End of quote. Stalin's reference to Neruda and Garcia Lorca inserts his poetry in this revolutionary archive. In the focus swiftly shifts to the change in the military in the context of Egypt's uprising, and the poem at the very beginning offers of the re- revolution offers a revised perception of the military, and it shows us scenes in which the military took flowers from the youth of Ali, put them on the barrel of the cannon, and led the boys and girls write on tanks. Tillich's collection, on the other hand, uh, was dedicated to the martyrs, the heroes of the January twenty fifth revolution. Uh, who chanted slogans for Egypt? And in this collection, he produces a synthesis between religion. The opening of the poem, uh, of the collection, is an uh, inaugurate a new Egypt with a religious reference to um, the revolution. Temple is now the square, and its Quran is today's Bible, and its Bible is today's Quran. One poem, entitled uh, Tuesday, 25th of January, refers to the beginning of the uprising and begins with Bless the dream and the day we were called to the square, and as for chance they came beautiful rhymes like revelations. In another poem entitled Overthrowing the Regime, this again was at the beginning of the revolution, Philip <laughs> evokes the scene of a president who pre- prepares to go to bed. Uh, to celebrate his, um, in the morning, uh, the handing over of uh, the country to his son. A poem uncovers the irony of the president's arrangements and reports of peace followed by the youth's march to the square. The poem concludes the youth wanted to overthrow the regime, so in the end, the narrator celebrates the youth who poured into the square to end the patriarch's dream. The poems by Silib and Hassan were produced at a much earlier period, and so they provide a contrast with the poems by al Abnudi and al that came uh, on the anniversary of the revolution. Um, I want to conclude by saying that uh, in Egypt's uprising, uh, colloquial poetry developed beyond the poetic movement of the 50s. Poems on the square established the poet's commitment to social justice and national unity. So colloquial poems engaged colloquial traditions and uh, mobilized the, uh, the masses and they became a part of Egyptian popular culture and the revolutionary poetics. Uh, Al Abnudi and Al Barouti mobilized um, um, the masses in the square. Uh, Salim and Philip redeployed religious imagery to counterstate enforced narratives of national disunity. The result was that poets. The result was that poets uh, produced these narratives, but also poets produced a revolutionary vocabulary in parallel with the turn of events. And and on the anniversary in 2012, poetic utterances became a means of intervening in the revolutionary outcome. Uh, Samir Baruti's all victorious Egypt and the state moved to develop themes of martyrdom and continued resistance to articulate changes in the revolutionary movement by January 2012.